Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Habakkuk. Returning back to the book of Habakkuk, please, in the chapter 2, again this week. We've been asking the question in our studies through Habakkuk, has God gone missing? And slowly that answer is being revealed. God has not gone missing. And for Habakkuk, uh, God was still moving. God was still answering prayer. Maybe not the way he wanted the prayer answered, but he's learning that God, God's ways are much higher than his ways and much higher than his thoughts. And we're turning to Habakkuk chapter 2. We'll take time to read the whole chapter again to get our context and to find our feet again. And we're continuing this and under this title that we began last week, A, a Watching Faith. He's gone up to his watchtower. He's began to pray. And he's watching for God to move. And he's waiting for God to move. And that's where we find him at the beginning of chapter 2. He's backed away from his complexity. He's reminded himself of the God he serves in chapter 1. And now he just takes that moment to go up to the watchtower, to take that place of responsibility and to pray and to wait for God's message. And let's read chapter 2 together. This is the word of the Lord. And we read... Uh, Habakkuk speaking, I will stand upon my watch and set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he, God, will say unto me and what I will answer, what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his fear. Yea, also, because he transgresseth by wine, he is a proud man, neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathered unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. Shall not all these take up a parable against him, and a taunting proverb against him, and say, Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his! How long unto him that ladeth himself with thick clay! Shall they not rise up suddenly that shall bite thee, and awake that which shall that shall vex thee, and thou shalt be for booties unto them? Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee because of men's blood, and for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people, and hast sinned against thy soul. For the stone shall cry out of the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood, and establisheth a city by iniquity. Behold, Is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink and puttest thy bottle to him. 
and makest him drunken also, that thou mayest look on their nakedness. Thou art filled with shame for glory. Drink thou also, and let thy foreskin be uncovered. The cup of the Lord's right hand shall be turned unto thee, and shameful spewing shall be on thy glory. For the violence of Lebanon shall cover thee, and the spoil of beasts which made them afraid because of men's blood. And for the violence of the land, of the city, and of all that dwell therein, what profiteth the graven image that the maker thereof hath graven it, the molten image and teacher of lies, that the maker of his work trusteth therein to make dumb idols? Woe unto him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone, Arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is laid over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple that all the earth keeps silence before him. And we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to each of our hearts. And we, we have seen Habakkuk go to his watchtower and he's prayed and he's waited for God and he's waiting and he's watching and he's on his knees. And he went to the sanctuary of God. And we discovered how the watchtower last week was quite a significant place in Old Testament scripture. It was a place of extreme responsibility. We thought about how in Ezekiel we find the watchman in chapter 3 and also chapter 33. And the watchman, if he didn't warn people of the enemies coming and the people were slaughtered, then the blood of the people would be upon the watchman's hands. And the watchman was to be a responsible man. He was to be vigilant. He, he was to spot imminent danger. And the watchman, he had to have nerves of steel because when he saw the enemy coming, he had to stay firm in his post. He couldn't run. He couldn't go anywhere. He had to cry from his watch post that the enemy was coming. The watchman had to be trusted. He, he had to stay alert. He had to stay awake. Otherwise, it could mean death for the whole time, death for the whole city. And the watchman, he had to be faithful to his commission. And the watchman, he ought to miss nothing. So we asked the question last week, why did Habakkuk go to the watchtower? Why did he stand there? Well, he took the place of responsibility for his nation. And he felt the burden and responsibility of his nation upon his shoulders. And up to the watchtower he went and he waited to hear from God. And God gave him three responsibilities there in the watchtower. And we looked at verse 2 last week. And God said this to him. The Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that readeth it. God says, Habakkuk, here's your answer. Have you got your pen and paper? Are you ready to take down what God is going to say to you? Are you ready for the answer to your prayers for everything that you've longed for? Of course, Habakkuk's been praying about the sin of his nation. He's concerned about the coming judgment. And Habakkuk was concerned about all that lay ahead. What was God going to tell Habakkuk? He says, write the vision. And what he was saying was, write down the message, and there's going to be a message of hope for the people of Israel. Yes, they're going into captivity, but in a day that will come, I, God, am going to move, and I'm going to free them from that captivity. And you need to write this down. You need to tell the people, and when you write this down, people will read it, and those that read it will run and tell others with joy that this is good news. Habakkuk, write down the vision so that others will hear 
And we, as we thought about it last week, we asked the question, what message does our province here in Northern Ireland need to hear? What does the UK and Ireland need to hear today? We discovered how God didn't give Habakkuk a military message or a social message or a political message or a philosophical message or an educational message. It was a spiritual message. It was a message that men, women, boys and girls needed to hear. And today the message that we must proclaim is that the Lord Jesus Christ is the only saviour for sinners. That's what men, women, boys and girls need to hear. They need God. They need a spiritual message. A spiritual vision, that's what Habakkuk got. God said to him, write the vision, make it plain upon tables, and that he, that, that he may run that readeth it. God was saying, write it so that others will hear. God was telling Habakkuk exactly what was about to happen. The people would read the vision and run with joy. So we thought last week, firstly, how we, we was told to write God's vision. And he wrote it down and off he went and the gospel was shared. But secondly, the second lesson that God taught him was he had to trust God's word. We discovered that last week in verse 4. For he said there, it says there in verse 4, Behold, look, pay attention. His soul, which is lifted up, the, the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonian soul, which is so proud and uh, so proud, that's what it's saying. Behold, his soul, which is lifted up, it's not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And that was an important line. In fact, probably one of the key verses that you find in the book of Habakkuk. The just shall live by his faith. It's a principle that we learned that was so important last week. In a world of chaos and confusion and corruption, in a country of chaos, confusion and corruption, how are we to live? Well, the Bible tells us the just, those who are trusting in Christ, we need to live by faith. What's the secret to the Christian life? Is it the just shall live by our feelings? No. Is it the just shall live by fasting? No. Is it the just shall live by fear? No. The verse says the just shall live by fear. Hey, Habakkuk, in your trial, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians are knocking on the back door. Just you remember, God says, the just shall live by fear. They're proud, they're puffed up, but their pride will be their fall. But just you humble yourself, Habakkuk, and you trust my word, dear believer, in your trial today. Continue to trust God's word. But the final thing, and we just touched on this point last week, and this is where we're going to spend our time this morning. Habakkuk was told to declare God's judgment. Declare God's judgment. Listen, there's a coming judgment for those around us today who aren't ready. We ought to keep warning them. And as we look at God's answer to Habakkuk here, as God reveals his divine plan, you can hear the Lord say, I understand your perplexity, Habakkuk, and here is my answer. The Chaldeans, the ones who are going to rise up against Judah, they themselves are going to be completely destroyed in a future time. So the rest of this chapter is all about what would happen to these Babylonians. And we find these five woes, which means calamity and destruction that would come to the Babylonians. And we're going to think about those five woes uh, this morning. And I'm just going to briefly touch on each of them as we go through. And that will be us. There's many lessons for us to learn from what God says about these Babylonians. 
And the first woe that we read, it's found from verse 6 through to verse 8. It says this, Shall not all these that take up a parable against him and a taunting proverb against him and say, Listening, here's the first woe. Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. In other words, woe to him who is being greedy and selfish. Woe to greed. And woe to selfishness. This nation, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, they had conquered so many nations. And they had pillaged them. And they had ravaged from other nations all the wealth that they had. They had amassed such a wealth, such a great weight, that God says that it was almost like they ladeth themselves with thick clay. That's what it says at the end of verse 6. And God says, all these things that you're robbing and stealing and being greedy and selfish about, you're just pouring thick, heavy mud onto yourselves. The wealth that you're accumulating, it's going to be your fall. And God says that this great debt that they had accumulated in their wars and their empire seeking, in verse 7, he says, the day is coming when your debts are going to be collected. Shall they, the other nations, not rise up suddenly against the Babylonians and bite thee and awake that shall vex thee and thou shalt be for booties unto them. That's what it says. The day is coming, says God. And he uses two words. There's going to be a nasty bite. They'll bite thee and they'll be vexed suddenly. That's the second thing. There's going to be a nasty bite and they'll be vexed. And there's a day coming when all those who had been robbed and fleeced and mistreated, they're going to return to the Babylonians like an angry dog, and, and they're going to bite like a serpent. And that word vex, it means to shake violently. It's like picking up a man, turning him upside down, and shaking him to get all his money out of him. And God says these nations are going to come back and they're going to take, to take every debt that, that is owed by the, by the Babylonians and they're going to get their money back. And the verse says at the end, it says, as booties on to them. Just rubbish, garbage. The Babylonians eventually would be destroyed by those nations they had mistreated. And they were selfish and greedy for wealth, these Babylonians. They were willing to do anything to get it. You say to me today, Peter, what's that to us today? These people were evil. And they were going to be destroyed. What's that to us today? What lesson can we learn today from God's word from that? Well, you know, greed for money and selfishness has been the downfall of many a Christian. Whether it be a businessman cutting corners in the place of work, being dishonest in business, being dishonest in anything for financial gain. I want to tell you, being dishonest in business, and you listen well, it sullies the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it sullies your testimony. And here were these people, and they were doing evil for gain. And I trust that as God's people, we're always honest in business. And doing nothing for selfish gain. Remember the Lord said to the Chaldeans, and this can be applied to anyone who's being dishonest for financial gain, anyone who's being greedy and selfish. This is what the Lord said. Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his.
Woe to him that increaseth that which is not his. Woe to greed and selfishness. The second woe that we find here, it's a woe to covetousness. A woe to covetousness. Look at verse 9. It says there, Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house. The Chaldeans had become covetous. They were self-exalting. They were proud people. And in verse 9, God describes them a little bit like eagles. It says there, Woe to him that coveteth an evil covetousness to his house, that he may set his nest on high. That was speaking about the eagle that would have set its nest up high. And an eagle, it was a predator and it was unreachable. And the Chaldeans, they, they, they thought of themselves as ones who were untouchable. That they had amassed so much wealth and so much power that they felt absolutely no one could touch them. The nations around couldn't do anything. They just coveted whatever they wanted and they got it. And if they got up the mountain, if they went high enough, nobody would be able to get them. Verse 10 says, says this, Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people. Do you know what that just means? It means that they'd killed many people for that gain. And they didn't care for people. Verse 11 describes how they had built their nation with stolen goods uh, of the nations they had plundered. And the very walls of their home reminded them of the sin that they'd embedded themselves in. God reminded them in verse 10, Thou hast sinned against thy soul. They had killed for their own gain. And for selfish reasons, what they'd done is every time they went into their home, the very beams, the very walls of their home were materials that they had stolen and materials that they had killed other people to have. And do you know what it says here in Scripture? Look at verse 12. Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establisheth a city with iniquity. And in verse 11 it says this, the beam, the wall... And the beam out of the timber shall answer, and it's speaking about the cry of blood. The blood that had been shed cried out to them every time they walked into the house. They killed for their own gain. And today, for selfish reasons, there are people in our own country and people around our world who are mistreated and even killed when they are innocent. Today, the innocents cry out. There's the cry of the unborn baby murdered in the womb. There's the cry of those poor who are exploited. There's the cry of the persecuted Christian across our world. There's the cry of victims of terrorism. There's the cry of people who have been personally abused. There's a cry of a multitude of innocent people that have cried in righteousness to God, but God has heard them, and God will one day answer. And let me say this while we're on this point. We live in a nation now that is turning to evil ways. And God will deal with the sin of the United Kingdom. And God will deal with the sin of the nations of this world. And you know what? One day they're going to be completely wiped out, completely destroyed. The UK, America, Russia, China, the European Union might think they're untouchable, but God will deal with them all. And God will deal with their sin. They will answer one day. 
to their maker. Woe to covetousness. The third woe that we find is woe to ruthlessness. It's found in verse 12. Woe to him that buildeth a house with blood and establisheth establisheth a city by iniquity. These people were murderers. They were terrorists. God is the one who controls the destiny of man and and injustice and ruthlessness of the Babylonians that was going to be destroyed. Babylon was destroyed by the Medo-Persian Empire on the 13th of October in the year 539. Remember, God doesn't break his promises. God is faithful. And God reminds the people of Judah that one day, verse 14, the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And as the waters cover the sea. Verse 14, God says to his people, look up in your trial and persecution. The book of Revelation is our Habakkuk today. It reminds us that one day we will be with the Lamb and we will cry worthy. And be, and be, we'll be made perfect and we'll reign with the Lord forever. So keep living by faith. The just shall live by faith. How important it is to see this. How important it is to understand this. The Babylonians, the Chaldeans, where are they today? Gone. Yet this nation of Israel still stands. God is faithful to his people. And he always will be. Woe to greed and selfishness. Woe to covetousness. Woe to ruthlessness. Woe to drunkenness. Verse 15. Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink. Woe to drunkenness. You see, what he is saying here is that alcohol was used to entice others to sin. He goes on, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that puts the bottle to him and makes him drunken also, and also that thou mayest look on their nakedness. And if you look at verse 5, you will see that's actually how the Babylonians rose to power. Yea, also, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. Neither keepeth at home, who enlargeth his desire as hell, and is as death, and cannot be satisfied, but gathereth unto him all nations, and heapeth unto him all people. The Babylonians drive in their desire to inhabit the earth and swallow it up as his empire was driven by alcohol. And you can see it within the word of God and throughout it, that these men were given totally to wine. Wine motivated them in their brutish behavior. And you can see it in Daniel chapter 5, that it, that, that, what went, that it went right throughout the whole Babylonian empire. And in the end, in Daniel, of Daniel chapter 5, at the very end of the chapter, you find what was the downfall of the Babylon, Babylonian empire. You remember Belshazzar. And Belshazzar in his drunken state, he cursed God. And he mocked God with blasphemy. And there was the writing on the wall, and maybe there's writing on the wall needed for someone here today. But you know what it says is, in that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain, and Darius the Midian took the kingdom, being about three score and two years old. What does that mean? It means that Belshazzar was killed. The empire changed from the Babylonians into the power of the Medo-Persians. They began through drink. The the Chaldeans, they began through drink, but they were damned through drink. Now listen, you can say to me today that the Bible doesn't teach abstinence. 
You can say it doesn't explicitly say that. I've heard people say that. And honestly, any time I see alcohol mentioned in Scripture, it's not for good. Noah got drunk from his own vineyard, and that led to sin. Lot's daughters allowed him to get drunk, and that led to incest. My New Testament tells me to be sober-minded. From the first drop of alcohol in your lips, it takes control of your mind. Did you know that? And I'm honestly fed up with hearing from some liberal Christian pastors and youth leaders in this country leading others to drink. I've heard of pastors and youth leaders bringing people round to the pub after meetings or even round to their house and getting the alcohol out of the fridge. This social drinking thing. Listen, I hate the stuff. Ian Paisley called it the devil's liquor and that's exactly what it is. It doesn't lead to God. It leads people to sin. Sense is numb. No longer sober-minded. God has said what drink is. God has said what drink brings. And if you're a Christian and you're dabbling in it, you're a fool. Verse 15, you read, woe to him that gives his neighbour drink. That you're not to take it because it takes advantage of the weaker brother. And if you're a Christian and you're drinking socially, you're sinning against God and his word and you are flirting with sin. And while we're here, the Bible tells me that you're not, that you're to abstain from the appearance of evil. And you call me what you want afterwards today. You call me legalistic. I don't care. But this is my conviction. Whether the bottle be marked with 0% alcohol or a mocktail, please, I beg you, listen to me today. Don't be found near the stuff or sitting with anything that looks like the stuff. Why would you buy it? Why would you want to be seen with it? Something that mocks the actual thing. Listen, dear brother, dear sister, today. Don't be found even near the appearance of evil, because the Bible says you're to abstain from the appearance of evil. Let me leave you with this point. And the young people, you'll remember this, because we thought about this a couple of weeks or months ago in your fellowship. We read the verse, Proverbs 20, verse 1. Now let God have the last word on alcohol. This is what it says there. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging. And whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Do you want to be wise? Stay away from the stuff. Woe to drunkenness. Woe to greed and selfishness. Woe to covetousness. Woe to ruthlessness. Woe to drunkenness. Woe to godlessness. Look at verse 19. Woe to him that saith to the wood, Awake, to the dumb stone arise, it shall teach. Behold, it is led over with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in the midst of it. You know, God's people need to hear this too, not just the Babylonians. The nation of Israel quite often gave themselves over to the gods of other nations before realizing their error. And here's the thing, this is a sin we can fall into too. We can worship our own man-made gods instead of worshiping the one true and living God who created man. Idols are simply substitutes that we replace God with. And if there's something that you can't bear without, that's a God. Many people will worship footballers, singers. For some, they put their job before the Lord and their jobs their God. And I wonder today, is there an idol that you need to get rid of? 
Is there an idol that you've put in the throne of God? Something that you know that you place above the Lord? The hymn writer wrote, The dearest idol I have known, Whate'er that idol be, Help me to tear it from thy throne, And worship only thee. Five woes that the Babylonians were warned about. Woe to greed and selfishness. Woe to covetousness. Woe to ruthlessness. Woe to drunkenness. Woe to godlessness. Habakkuk was given three messages. Three messages in the Torah. Number one, write God's message. Go and declare the gospel to all nations. That's what we're seeking to do this week, each evening with the boys and girls. We're seeking to reach the children in this area with the gospel. Dear Christian, Habakkuk was told, secondly, in that tower when he went to pray and took responsibility, Habakkuk, you trust my word. I wonder, are you trusting God's word today? Thirdly, he was told to declare God's judgment. God reminds Habakkuk right at the very end. And what a lovely place to finish today. Habakkuk's in in the tower. Now his thoughts have been lifted heavenward. And the Lord says this in verse 20. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. The reminders just keep coming through this book. God is still on the throne. And the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon. And until then, remember, the just shall live by faith.